1: Thank you, Matthew Arter. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Extra, extra. Yes, we're between seasons, so you know we like to take a little bit of a break. And I'd like to give you some extra shows, some different shows, before we jump back into the battlefield that will be season nine and uh we're going to continue with uh what i already started before which is to slowly release episodes of tv talkaholics TV Talkaholics, of course, is the monthly podcast that Matthew and I do, and the Patreon supporters get exclusive first access to this show before it hits the general public at some unspecified time down the road. And uh, if you want access to all of these uh, right now, you can, of course, go to the Patreon and become a monthly supporter at the $3 a month level. Uh, Otherwise, please, I hope you enjoy this, which is a show on Disney+, Plus called The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, from November of 1977. Now, this was recorded and released in August of 2020. (sighs) Remember August of 2020? Yeah, neither do I. Uh, But in typical TV talkaholic style, in typical me fashion, we watched a one-hour special and made a two-hour and 12-minute podcast out of discussing a one hour show. So uh, I'm not going to subject you to that torture. I'm splitting it into two shows. So this is part one. And next week, you can hear the exciting conclusion. So what do you say we get to it, huh? Let's face the facts with TV Talkaholics Episode 9, The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World from 1977, featuring Lisa Welchel and Julie Pikarski. So, uh, no more about Jalco. When the force, don't you call in the more importantly, the musketeers at Walt Disney World tonight on the wonderful world of Disney. What the world? Well, hey there, guys. It's another TV Talkaholics, another beginning of the month treat uh, made especially for our Tutti Fruity Patreon supporters. This is David Almeida, of course, getting ready to discuss the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World with my amazing co-host. Do you want to say hi?
0: Okay, David, I um, am going to be altering my voice to remain anonymous during this. Um, episode so as you can probably tell i've already altered it through my computer and i don't think anybody's gonna know it's me so you how did you alter your voice on your computer the macbook air from 2003 is amazing Okay. Do you want to maybe turn a couple more knobs just to just I think I'm good. I think I I I can barely recognize my own voice right now. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, sure. We Uh,
0: should say that the um that the views of the hosts of T V Talkaholics do not represent the the Walt Disney company in any way. (laughs) (laughs) Or its affiliates. (laughs) Okay. Because yes. I am a lover of this company, David, mm-hmm. as you know. And I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging a, a company that I love.
1: Okay. So um, it, my my normal co-host, Matthew Arder, is not with us this week. And uh, in his place is Mr.
0: X. I love that. You can call me whatever you want, just so long as you call me. But um, <laughs> so, um, my my
1: guest co-host may or may not be an uh, a, an employee of a major theme park attraction.
0: Let's just say I know a thing or two about the company that this movie was made for. Yes.
1: <laughs> well. We, we both do a little bit. So um, let me get some, some sort of uh, like business stuff out of the way. Okay. Um, Ma- 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 Mr. X and I are going to be discussing The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, which is a special that broadcast on the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday, November 20th, 1977. And it has recently come back into... The uh, modern pantheon, the modern uh, e- a- entertainment zeitgeist, as it were, wow. because they just re-released it on Disney Plus, the streaming service from the Walt Disney Company. And uh, and and if that isn't enough of a treat to watch the new Mickey Mouse Club cast, including our close personal friend, Lisa Welchel. Mm -hmm. And our close personal acquaintance, Julie Mm Pikarsky, before they were Facts of Life stars. This, for some weird reason, contains the original commercials. Yeah. Very weird. It's very weird. And uh, they're kind of a little dull. Sadly, there wasn't anyone that like jumped out at me as like, oh my God, this is crazy. But they're they're fun. They're a fun time capsule. Yes.
0: They help, they help with the nostalgia of the piece.
1: Yeah, for the boring Sunday night crowd that thought 60 minutes was a little too much excitement uh, (laughs) and switched over and and didn't want to watch the Hardy Boys' Nancy Drew Mysteries, which is what was on the ABC network at that time. Um, So we have this. By the way, um, I I did a little bit of research. You know what else was on this night on on network television? Little deep dive here, Uh, like I said, 60 Minutes was on CBS, ABC was The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries. But then, after this special was over, at eight o'clock on CBS, Celebrity Challenge of the Sexes, with Elka Summer, Bruce Jenner, Farrah Fawcett, David Cassidy, Dick Van Patten, Susan St. James, Christy McNichol, and Robert Conrad, Hosted by the wonderful Flip Wilson. Oh my God. Doesn't that sound amazing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: God.
1: And I looked on YouTube, I can find uh, the, there's an odd clip, but I would love to see the whole thing, but oh my God. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crass, but Celebrity Challenge of the Sexes, um, Caitlyn Jenner. Was one of the competitors back when she was known as Bruce Jenner, and just saying um interesting things with hindsight, huh?
0: Oh, is there
1: <laughs> challenge of the sexes? It's the idea of it's men versus women. Sure, and the idea is Caitlin is uh, uh, identifies as a woman, even though in her. Okay,
0: we'll talk about that later. All right, huh. you don't hear from Bruce Jenner very much anymore. <laughs> I wonder why that is. I don't know what happened to him.
1: <laughs> um, so, in general, before we start talking about some of the other nitty, nitty-gritty, nitty nitpicky stuff, um, the, the thing that not only the Lisa Welchel thing and the connection of the facts of life, the thing that also gives us this deep connection to it is the fact that it takes place in Walt Disney World, right here in Orlando, our hometown, at... Uh, our place of employment, and it is so weird to see it in in its infancy like this
0: and I am um a history lover and a Disney lover and when I can combine those two things, the nerdgasm that happens because I was a tour guide at Walt Disney World for twelve years. Wow, so I know that park mm-hmm. and the details of that park like the back of my hand, like nomenclature, all these things that we, when you're in tour guide at Walt Disney World, um, you had to be in guest relations at the time. And to Mm -hmm. be in guest relations, you have to know everything, including every single ticket Walt Disney World has ever sold since 1971. Dude, we had a book of old ticket stock that if somebody would bring in a ticket, we'd have to look it up and see what the equivalent was because the tickets never expire. Oh, that's right. So people would bring like a 1981 all American military three day special ticket. And you're like, that did, that was a promotion during the summer of 1981. And it's and 1997 now, now. Yeah. And I, now I've got to figure out what the equivalent is and change revenue. So I loved this for the history of the park and the attractions and the costumes, mm-hmm. and I have questions, so.
1: Okay, um, and let's, let's continue to personalize this, Mr. Okay. X. And uh, in what year did you first come to Walt Disney World?
0: <laughs> oh, are you uh, okay? To Walt Disney World? I yeah. thought, well, we are getting very personal. Um, <laughs> 1996. Oh, wow. That's late. I had never been in the Magic Kingdom before I worked there. Oh, my gosh. My first step inside the Magic Kingdom. Um, and I, I'm one of the few people I think on the planet that can say I have never paid to get into a Disney theme park.
1: Wow. <laughs> I cannot say that, sadly. They were
0: didn't, work, didn't step a foot in Florida before I worked here.
1: That is insane. Mm-hmm. My first time here was in February of 1978. So okay. right after this, just a few months after this broadcast, who knows, maybe this was the broadcast where my parents went, fuck, if the wonderful
0: world of Disney kids are going, we're going. If that's the case, we have things to talk about <laughs> of how certain things are represented in this special. <laughs> Yeah, okay,
1: go ahead. <laughs> we have shit to talk about. So um, yeah, and I was nine at the time. So in nineteen seventy-eight,
0: it's like where did you stay? What well, we stayed at a contemporary right there. And uh, how did you do it back then? Was it like how long did you stay? Was it two days in the park, one day in the park? How did you you know how people now they've got to really plan uh, every minute of their stay? Oh, God but back no. then it was like there was the one park. There was the one and- park.
1: And we did do Hoop Dee Doo, which is over at uh, um, Fort Wilderness. Right. And we did that. And, still and those were the days when you would rent a car and you would drive into downtown Orlando to spend an evening hanging around uh, Church Street Station, going to Rosie O'Grady's. Really in the 70s? In the okay. 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Totally. We, we did that. Absolutely. And. Um, mm-hmm. Uh you know, so this is, for, for those who don't realize what we're talking about, everyone thinks of Walt Disney World as this big, major, massive resort. It was, it only opened in 1971. And as of this special, and as of my first visit, all that was here was Magic Kingdom, Contemporary, Polynesian Resort, we did do the Luau, uh, Fort Wilderness, and, uh, and River Country had just opened. And yeah, we didn't and even also, go there. Well- what was called the golf resort at the time. Yeah, we didn't go there, but I feel like we spent a week here and, uh, you know, we went to the park and the park was very chill. They still had the ABCDE tickets. So you still had to pay the little, you paid a little tiny bit of money to get in, but then you had to buy the books of the tickets. And the idea of the e-ticket ride was your space mountains, your, um, what else would, would be an e-ticket ride at the Magic Kingdom that would have uh, been around in seventy-seven? Haunted
0: Mansion.
1: Haunted oh, Haunted Mansion, Mansion.
0: was one. Um, yeah. Space Mountain was one. Um, the yeah. Sky and, Ride, um, not not the Sky Ride, but the um, yeah Astro Orbiter. Astro. Oh, Orbit. the Astro Orbiter, sure, up in yeah. Tomorrowland, sure.
1: That was an e-ticket. Um, yeah, but the thing is, so yeah, you know, it was Jungle much Cruise,
0: more. Jungle Cruise was an e-ticket. Was it? Okay, that makes sense too, yeah. I know Pirates was a D ticket. Because we had to know all of that too, because people would bring up, people love to do this to us, David. They'd bring up an A through E ticket book and they would throw it at us and be like, bet you don't see those every day. (laughs) We see them every day. Uh, Yes. (laughs) What always blew people away was, if they brought me a full A through E ticket book with the admission ticket attached, that was the rarity, the admission ticket being attached. Um, we would take it and give them a one-day, one-part ticket. Wow. So talk about an investment, because those things were like 7 bucks. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. They were, Um. So, and then at that time, getting a $75 one-day pick ticket. But the worst part is, if one thing was ripped out of it, it became face value. Oh. So I could give them $0.10 for every A ticket that Ah. in there. Twenty cents for every B ticket, and I w- we would tell them this is worth more to you as in memories than it is to us. So and cash, yeah, we don't need them. We've yeah. got plenty. We save them. Wow. So there are going to be a lot of those little outbursts. Okay, like, like tour guide outbursts and like what we had to know and do and why things are wrong. In this
1: <laughs> well, if this podcast turns into being hours long, you know what. This is for the Tutti fruities and you guys pay extra money for this. And
0: if you do not love Walt Disney World, you're going to hate this. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh so, uh but the thing is um I work m- for the most part my full-time work has been at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh Mr. X here works at the actual Magic Kingdom. Yes. So uh, you you have much more valuable input to give there than I do,
0: and that's where I was based in guest relations. Mm-hmm. And I was a Magic Kingdom tour guide. We give a tour called Keys to the Kingdom, which takes you into the utilidor and like talks about the theming of like the tiniest little things. So mm-hmm. and people love it.
1: Oh yeah, I'm oh, sure. Yes. So uh, let's talk about who wrote and directed this baby. <laughs>
0: This, who, this masterpiece. This who whom
1: whom do we have to consider responsible? Well, it was directed by John Tracy. John Tracy had previously directed a hundred and thirty episodes of the Electric Company, which was my jam.
0: I didn't think there was a director. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> glad you mentioned that.
1: Yeah. Um he did do four episodes of the new Mickey Mouse Club and I think they thought okay, four episodes, he gets it. He he gets us and how uh, how this works. So uh, uh okay. Not
0: not a perfectionist. Let's just say that. <laughs> Bless his heart.
1: But after this special, he would go on to do uh little one-offs here and there but a ton of shows fish angie bosom buddies laverne and shirley Joni loves chachi new heart full house step by step boy meets world family matters and 134 episodes of growing pains between oh.
0: 85 and 91 oh there so only many pieces of the puzzle yeah
1: there were only 167 episodes of growing pains so he did all but 30. that's a big deal for one director to do that much of a series
0: especially that series
1: (laughs) his most recent credit was in 2006 i imagine he's retired because in 1977 i was like i say i was nine uh, when this broadcasts, so assuming he was an adult, I'm I'm 51 now, so that means he's in his early 100s. Yeah, so uh, he's very likely retired. Uh, but now let's talk about the writers. This was written by the, they are credited as Ted Anasty, David Talisman, and Tom Adair. Uh, Ted Anasty and David Talisman they wrote some stuff together, including some new Mickey Mouse clubs. Nasty also did some DuckTales, the TV series, Little Mermaid, Timon and Pumbaa. He's been story editor on those other kids series. So he's kind of on the inside of the Disney TV thing and remained there as uh, the Disney Channel started making series in the 80s. David Talisman doesn't really have many other credits after this. So he must have gotten out of the biz or something. and.
0: (laughs) with his tail between his legs.
1: <laughs> and then the Tom Adair, he has many writing credits, but it looks like he's a songwriter primarily. So I think he is the one responsible for the original music in this mm. episode. And if, if you, when we heard that music, I know just like me, you said, wow, that is original. Yeah, he wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, before we get going here, FYI, the OG Mickey Mouse Club, the original black and white Annette Funicello that ran from 1955 to 1959 and uh, ran 184 episodes daily from 5 to 6 p.m. And here's the funny thing. It got canceled because Disney couldn't reach an agreement with ABC. Right. (laughs) And they filed a lawsuit and it was all this rigmarole. (laughs) Cut to... (laughs) 1990 whatever, when it's like we own you now.
0: And it was then 97.
1: 97? Mm-hmm. It was oh I was thinking it was earlier than that. Wow. Um, and then uh the new Mickey Mouse Club that ran for only 14 sad episodes from 1977 to 78, but it didn't die before it gave us this magnificent special. <laughs> And then the reboot again from 1989 to 94 was the all new Mickey Mouse Club, which ran for 106 episodes and gave birth to the careers of of who, Mr. X?
0: Um, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, um, Justin Timberlake, um, the other one from NSYNC. um, J.C. Chazet. I believe that's the name he gives maitre d's. I'm the other one from NSYNC. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, Kerry Russell, Ryan Gosling, tons yes. of oh. young talent uh, was was started at the
0: all-new Mickey Mouse Club. And did they film that here? They absolutely did. Thank you for asking, David, at the Disney Hollywood Studios, also known as <laughs> the kiss of death for anything that filmed there.
1: <laughs> uh, we only came down here from Massachusetts a handful of times in my life. But we came down. Uh, we came down. I guess it was in '82. It had to be right after Epcot opened, mm-hmm. because when we came here, I remember they were celebrating the tenennial of the resort, as opposed to centennial. It's the sennial because it was ten years, right. which was '81. Assuming '81 into '82, they'll stretch mm-hmm. that shit out. And so I'm like, Epcot opened in 82. It had to have
0: just opened. It opened October 1st, 1982.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and by all accounts, it wasn't like it was a mob scene.
0: No, because they learned from Disneyland. They knew how to, we know how to open a theme park now.
1: But, and it was just not that popular though. People were wow. also like, what the fuck? Is, where's Mr. Toad? Where's Fairy Poppins? And yeah. it took them a while to kind of get the concept across.
0: <laughs> and, if you want, and if you want a good time, look up the opening of Epcot with starring Drew Barrymore and that? Um, uh, Danny Kay. Oh, there, there's
1: a dream team.
0: Wow. That's on YouTube.
1: Yeah. But I was going to say, then the next time we came was right after Hollywood Studios opened. So it had to have been in Mr. X. Yeah. When did Hollywood Studios, then Disney MGM Studios open?
0: May of 89. I knew you'd know it.
1: but uh so we came at some point shortly after it opened and in the back lot tour yes uh which was my first job ah part of the back lot tour was video hosted by the kids from the all-new mickey mouse club Mm -hmm. uh and saying that it filmed there and you'd also go through the set for it as well as star search and then clarissa later explains it all and that because was...
0: of what happened, when you went there, the Backlot Tour, or the Backstage Studio Tour at the time, was like this two-hour event. Oh, oh, it was massive. You got off the shuttle portion, and you followed Roger Rabbit's footprints to the rest of the tour that went through the sound stages. Eventually, they broke them up because people were like, how do you get out of this tour? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so
1: I remember distinctly the fact that that the the whole... New Mickey Mouse Club, that was filmed right here in Orlando. And uh, your joke, the kiss of death, that is because the intent to build a working studio that could also be visited by the guests while things were in progress, that just never materialized. It was never worth it for production companies to bring their whole operation down here. And it was cool for a time there was this sort of buzz that we were going to be kind of this Hollywood West thing that like this was elevating Central Florida to the next level as far as being a, a place where movies are actually made, not just a vacation destination. And the last thing uh, as we quickly go through the history is Club Mickey Mouse, which was a, two, which was a 2017 attempt to reboot it, more of a streaming behind the scenes reality show and it did not last very long according to wikipedia that's where all my sources are is wikipedia but more important than anything in the whole wide world we have two of the mickey mouse uh club cast members lisa welchel and julie Pikarsky. We yes. are going to be in the show as we describe it tonight. And who will go on to do the Facts of Life. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. Facts of Life adjacent, you are welcome. <laughs> now, where do we want to start? How do we even want to begin?
0: Well, ben? we should say, before we get too far into this, that...
1: Yeah, because I'm afraid we're going to get too far into it right yeah, now. One yeah, of the ahead.
0: things that... Um, i love about disney plus is it said this program is presented as originally aired it may contain outdated cultural depictions
1: <laughs> are you I, saying that there are outdated cultural references in this Matthew?
0: <laughs> i didn't find any so no. i don't know why that was on there but it was on there
1: um yeah, that is that is weird. Cause no, you, you would think there would be with this um with this cast, which looks like a Benetton ad before Benetton was a thing in the 80s. God bless them. The one thing we cannot say about this is ugh, typical 70s, all white kids. Yeah. No, you can tell they were very deliberate in arranging all shades of brown and copper, and and in a good way, that mm-hmm. is wonderful and refreshing.
0: And not stereotypically, like they were just no. all
1: kids. No, 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 there was none of that stuff, yeah. So, um, it's not just so weird that next year is the 50th anniversary of the resort. Mm-hmm. And yet, in this special, the park is six years old. Mm-hmm. It's only been around for six
0: years Mm -hmm. mm-hmm that blows my mind i was here for the 25th anniversary that blows Uh, my mind oh yeah (laughs) well when the castle was pink (laughs) oh oh the birthday cake Uh uh-huh oh my
1: god what a misstep if you don't know what we're talking about look up um walt disney world birthday castle and you will see and be appalled so um i think we're ready to get started aren't we
0: I think so. Okay. So, I i mean, typical Walt Disney World opening. Um, and I have to say, I did choke up a little bit hearing the music and everything. Mm-hmm. I choked up several times during this um, just because I miss my job. And they're filming mm-hmm. it at my park. <clears throat> so seeing Main Street, which has not changed one bit in 50 years... Um, but like they do like the overall shots of like the overture and everything. And they establish that it's the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World.
1: Yeah. You see a shot of the topiaries on the grass. You see the the Dumbo ride. The contemporary. You see Mm -hmm. all the monorails. Yeah, Space Mountain and all the, all the visual icons. I will have to say not a lot of just the castle. There really wasn't a lot of Cinderella's castle in this, was there? Nope.
0: Interesting. Even when they were performing in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of comments about how things were filmed back then, as opposed to how they're filmed now by the company. Oh, yeah? Because, like, there are times, like, nowadays, they would never film at Pirates of the Caribbean without having the Pirates of the Caribbean sign visible.
1: Oh, yes! So people yes. know
0: where they are. Um, there were times I had to do research to figure out where these people were. Oh, yeah? Because they're not making it clear where like they didn't, our advertising team wasn't on board with the TV production. Cause people need to remember in 77, Walt Disney pictures and Walt Disney company was in the crapper. Yeah. We, we were not doing well. This was before yeah. Eisner came in and saved the company. Yeah. Um, Ron this was Miller, apple
1: dumpling gang, freaky Friday, Gus. live action.
0: Yeah. And um, in charge of the company at the time was Ron Miller, who was Walt's son-in-law. <laughs> so people thought, "Oh, well he's walt's son in law that makes him the right to stare to the throne. No, it didn't, so we were in the dumper mm-hmm. so and for reasons like this, our advertising team wasn't on board with the film crew, and you know the we didn't have quite the synergy that we have now and the amount of producers involved to to make this like if you watch the Walt Disney World Christmas Parade, it is a two and a half hour commercial. Oh God, yes, yeah of very, very meticulously put together shots, even Mm -hmm. though the camera shots last less than one one second. Yeah. um, And you get a headache watching it. They're (laughs) meticulously put together.
1: Uh, Another good example of that where nowadays, like you said, synergy was the thing. There would always be names. Uh, Joanne Worley at one point turns to Ronnie show and says, why don't we go on the sky ride? And it's like there would have been an executive there that said, um, it's called the Walt Disney World Skyway. Yep. If if you could say the TM afterwards and the, uh, actually if you could say a registered trademark of Walt Disney Company and its affiliates incorporated, that would be great. Yep. Like there's no way a person in an actual Disney special in Walt Disney World, and notice we're saying Walt Disney World, it is not right. Disney World. It is right. Walt Disney World. The correct uh,
0: nomenclature. That's what we call it. Yeah. It's the chips in
1: our brains that they installed that make us say it that way. So and that honestly, from a corporate standpoint, that we we're not we're not dissing them for that. The fact is Disney owns and has proprietary ownership of so many things that so much thought has been put into what they are named. They have a right to say, call it the thing we named it. It went through forty seven committees and twelve different focus groups. So right. it's 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 quite
0: quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yes.
1: So um test
0: on guest relation. It's <laughs> when you get into guest relations, it's part of your checkout. Is a whole section on the test about nomenclature? I believe it. I fucking believe it. Man. Okay.
1: So um so here's the thing. When you were saying it gave you such sweet, happy memories mm-hmm. when the show first started, I thought it was because it begins actually with a shake and bake commercial followed by Gainesburgers. <laughs> Those are the two commercials yeah. that precede the actual beginning of the special. Yeah. I would forgotten about Pete the Butcher. That was a regular character for Shake and Bake.
0: What's that? I, did, I didn't recognize any of the commercials. Uh huh. Well, you're um, far, far too young. We all know that. But um, I loved um, the Gainesburgers puppy food. We're mm-hmm. like, we just got our dog back from a weekend where she could have puppies. <laughs> like, we just picked our dog up from a breeder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My dog's been getting banged all weekend, so we're giving <laughs> her some Gainesburgers. <laughs> basically, what that commercial said. Do you know what Gainesburgers are?
1: It's a dog food. <laughs> right, but did it I don't know if they even showed the product. It was it was in a plastic wrapper in the shape of a hamburger and was made to look like ground beef. You know the 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 ground beef stringy consistency. It's like little Chester thinks he's having a hamburger. <laughs> Does he? Does he? Does yeah. he? Well, it's a hamburger made out of yak intestines. <laughs> <laughs> so we begin the show with this montage and all the kids are on the monorail. And what are they singing, Matthew? Oh my God. <laughs>
0: Some rendition
1: of zippity doo with some full-on scatting and whistling and beat up a papas and
0: and it's bad enough that they are lip syncing terribly, <laughs> but to lip sync a whistle is oh. just. I want to know, like, and I, I have this question throughout the whole show. What director thinks that they they were being natural at yeah. all? Like they're, they didn't choreograph who they were going to look at and smile and nod and look so happy to be talking to and singing in front of like face to face. It just, it looks so unnatural. And there's something
1: in. also about 12 kids clumped together on one side of a monorail.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, I mean, I get it. It's a tight space. You got to get the film crew in there and cameras were bigger back then. But part of me is like, you couldn't have done something to arrange them and then maybe do some hand choreography to sort of kind of tie it all together and give you a sense that there is some organization and thought put into this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. So then they arrive at the Contemporary Resort. Because the Contemporary Resort, ladies and gentlemen, is right along the monorail, you can take the monorail directly from the Magic Kingdom, to the Polynesian Resort or Disney's Polynesian Resort and then to Disney's Contemporary Resort uh, and other hotels that have not yet been built in 1977. Uh, so they get off of the monorail
0: and we... The old school monorail. Old school. Now what makes it old school versus now? Is um, any... Well, we're on like the Mark 8 version. This is like the Mark 2 version. Oh, okay. Like the doors open, like actual doors instead of sliding glass doors that oh. they are now. Um, okay. Like these doors actually close and stay closed. Um, <laughs> okay. Good to know. It's cool to see an old monorail.
1: hmm We have Ronnie Shell playing the tour manager slash chaperone slash uh, obligatory adult who does little to nothing.
0: Yeah, and he's that one of those actors where you're like, oh, him, what has he been in? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I believe Gomer Pyle was his biggest claim to fame. Was yeah. He was a regular on Gomer Pyle. And he would later do a lot of voiceover work. That was more his, his jam later.
0: He also is in the episode of The Golden Girls where Blanche tries to sell her car and he offers to buy Blanche's car. And oh. she's only selling it to meet men. Oh,
1: she's nice. Um, So we have a, a little awful, contrived physical bit with the blonde girl, the blondest of the blonde girls, Kelly, who is clearly set up to be the hilariously clumsy one. Yeah. And she is one of those actresses where everything she says is in the lower part of her voice and there's not really much energy to what she says oh no, the tennis racket has a mind of its own. And it, it's uh, yeah. the, the unnaturalness of, of the delivery is, is really jarred. Well, and
0: I love the minute they get off the monorail, they're talking about how they, they're doing this performance or whatever, but it's also a vacation. They get off the monorail and they go, I can't wait to get to the tennis courts. You are at... Walt Disney World. (laughs) You can play tennis at home. You can't wait to get to the tennis court. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. But in fact, they don't go straight to the tennis court. As they're disembarking, first place they are going to go, River Country. Yes. And this was new. This only opened in 1976. Mm -hmm. And River Country was at, at one time the water park at the Walt Disney World Resort. It would later be overtaken by Typhoon Lagoon, Blazer Beach. And um, amoebas. (laughs)
0: Amoebas. Is that why it closed? Is because of... It had the first of its kind water filtration um, system Uh that would use the water from the natural lake that it Mm -hmm. was on and filter it and put it into their lagoon not the swimming pools but the lagoon Mm -hmm. so people felt like and it looked like they were swimming in a natural swimming hole in florida and there was (laughs) unmanageable amoeba in bay lake because it is a lake in florida
1: yeah, which is a swamp. All of Walt Disney World was yeah. swampland before I not they
0: wanna swim in that
1: yeah. <laughs> a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway.
1: So it closed in what, two thousand and
0: one? Um, River Country closed. It was a seasonal operation anyway. It closed in November of two thousand one like it always that every year. Um a lot of people thought it closed because of September eleventh, and which may or may not be true, but it closed mm-hmm season in 2001 and it didn't reopen the next year and then in 2005 they announced that it wouldn't be reopening at all Mm -hmm.
1: and (laughs) at the moment is it is it already being excavated but they had announced there were plans to build a new hotel partial hotel partial disney vacation club uh vacation ownership places over there, so um, that is going to be a new resort at some point. It's kind of over by Fort Wilderness. It's... Yeah, it was
0: the fort, It was basically Fort Wilderness's
1: pool. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, we don't just go to River Country though, Matthew, do we? Oh my god. We spend a good chunk of time singing an original composition singing about how
0: fun it is to go to River Country. It was a cute song, I'll give them mm-hmm. that. It was catchy. But I didn't realize that um River Country was complete and utter anarchy. Oh. <laughs> there are people like on top of each other. There's like a lazy river with inner tubes and strangers bumping into each other and yeah. <laughs> I <sighs>
1: it was the early days of water parks
0: when they like they were sending people down a slide three at a time. Um, <laughs> Seven in a tube. Yeah. Backwards. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like, we had these swing, like rope things that you could swing out on. And it's just like.
1: Yeah. Swing oh. out and land in the river. It's like, okay, that's not yeah. a hazard. No. In a,
0: in a pool full of people. you are just swinging <laughs> out and, and hoping drop. you don't land on somebody. And it just amazed me <laughs> because again, Nowadays, and it looked like these were actual guests, mm-hmm. because yeah. nowadays at Walt Disney World, when there's filming, it, 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 there are no guests involved.
1: No, it's, not it's cut off. It yeah,
0: yeah, we we are we have blocked off this area. Nobody's gonna walk behind the shot, mm-hmm. like accidentally. You can't get into this production area. This looked like it was a nightmare. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was to be a yeah, part. Of. to be in ops operations there to try oh, God.
0: to do that. Yes, uh, but if you're interested on on YouTube, a lot of urban adventurers will go on. Um, will go to River Country or Discovery Island, which is abandoned, and mm-hmm. film and put videos up. And it really is like life after people. Like, oh yeah, it's it should. Do.
1: They should film a post-apocalyptic movie yeah. there. They, they should really
0: taken over, and also, like you see, like they go into management offices where like things have fallen off the walls, and it's like awards, plaque awards that say "manager of the year," like being overtaken. It's so effing creepy. Oh, right. um, <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll have to look but, at some of those. I've yeah. seen still photos. I've never seen a video though. Oh, it's creepy. But yeah, they decided not to reopen it, and they just abandoned it until now with the plans to build this new hotel, as I said. So uh, then from there we go to uh, the game room. I believe it's the arcade game room in the basement of the contemporary. Am I correct?
0: Corral on the first floor of the contemporary. Uh, Okay. Um, That's
1: right. We don't have basements in Florida. It just feels um, like a basement.
0: Which again, made me interested because Pac-Man didn't come out until 1980. What, video games were in an arcade other than pinball <laughs> and skee ball. Ski ball and pinball.
1: That was yeah. Was that it? I mean there were home
0: computer video games. Like I think Pong existed. Like there were there were some Pong quote came unquote out in like 1978 or something. Did it? Pong came out in 72, breakout in 76, tank yeah. in 74. But like the contemporary is supposed to be one of those resorts where it's like, Oh, we're hip and young and, and new and cutting edge of technology. Yeah. Yeah. And here's some pinball machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come to Walt Disney world where you can play tennis and pinball. (laughs) This is so far getting the Almeida family up in Massachusetts. Very excited about their trip. Oh,
1: you know it because Matthew, when I came in February of 1978, there was a caricature artist smack dab in the middle of this room. I still have the caricatures that we had done of each member of our family. And I have from that trip one photograph of myself on the balcony of the uh, contemporary and you can't even tell where I am. Like literally all the photos over the years that got shoved into shoe boxes in the back of drawers. By the time I got my hands on them as an adult to try and organize them, there is no record of my ever coming here in 1978. And that makes me so sad. But I do have that fucking caricature.
0: That is precious. Yeah.
1: And I was, remember I was a kid who drawed. I was a drawer. I was an artist-y kid. That was my thing. More than performance or anything else. It was, oh, David, David is the artistic.
0: It probably didn't even dawn on you or it made you think, this person is getting paid. It is their job to do this and I could do. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. Like it didn't it wouldn't have dawned on me like I love to draw. This guy loves to draw. I could do this for a living? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would never have dawned on me being from yeah. India.
1: Again, at nine, you're not really thinking about future no. careers. At least I, I wasn't. Was. I'm <laughs> still not really. Uh, so then, within this scene, missed opportunity. Major, major missed opportunity. This is the point when Mr. Brown hands out the passes to the kids that give them admission to the parks. So he just stands there with the kids in the company. He's like, oh, here, uh, Rutabaga, Frida, Sam, Billy Bob, Dumbass, Big Tits.
0: And they're completely unchoreographed as to where they are. Yeah. Like they did this in one take. He had no idea whose name was next. Yeah. And again, like you said, for me, missed opportunity was at no point did these kids get off the monorail and go, I can't wait to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. I can't wait to go on Space Mountain. I, you know, none of them, have, yeah. he's handing out these tickets and these kids are acting like he's giving them tickets to the train to Auschwitz. <laughs> they are not excited. These are parties <gasps> to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and you are the Mouseketeers. <laughs> you are the Mouseketeers and we're handing you tickets to the Magic Kingdom. You look we're like, like we're okay. You a bag of herpes. <laughs> Well, then the other
1: thing I was going to say, the missed opportunity was, um, what, what are the musketeers known for? The roll call. Yeah. So he I could have made them stand in line and gone down the line and said, okay, here you go. This is yours. And this is Lisa. And yeah. this is Julie. And this is uh, Molly. And, you know, he could have had a moment where visually we could have been introduced and maybe connected with one or two of these kids.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, oh and my that's my question. Because I did think that. I was like, is this their version of the roll call? Because it's very different than Cubby, Annette. Yeah. Annette. It's <laughs> like, Lisa, where are you? Uh, I'm they,
1: here behind you. Uh, edited, thanks.
0: And then they edited in the, the camera shot where he hits the girl in the face.
1: Yeah, he, he turned. Yeah, it was the, the, the girl who's the clumsy one. And yeah. uh, her name is Kelly. Kelly is the extra blondie blonde one. That is also the clumsy one with the tennis racket. Yeah, he turns and accidentally hits her. And she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but yeah, clearly one take. This was one take tempo. Okay, let's go.
0: Again, without any kind of <laughs> rehearsal, apparently, or yeah. script. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, uh, yes. So the, the next
1: thing we have is, uh, the next scene is we're on the dock by the pool at the Contemporary Resort. Yes. And they are all in their outfits. I don't know, are they supposed to be rehearsing? that's something we never see them do in this special
0: by the by? I don't think anybody ever saw them rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Um, but yeah, I I, I it, it's... One of the only things that was realistic was that they had food prepared and set up for them. And that is exactly what would happen. Like they'd be in a roped off area with their own food. That's about the only thing That's real. It. <laughs> in this whole thing. But this is where I got pissed off because Lisa takes a picture um, of the salad and says, well, I can't eat it. I'm on a diet. How dare
1: you? She is 13 and she is Gorgeous. And she is rail thin.
0: Why, why was the writing like that? Why Why was
1: there anything to do with a 13 year old girl talking about being on a diet? Fuck you. Can't
0: even eat salad.
1: Yeah.
0: So basically she's starving herself.
1: Yeah. That's terrible.
0: Um, But then
1: Lisa does have the camera. And so she says, everybody stand all together mm -hmm. and let's take a picture of the group. And they're in their costumes. Well, they're standing with their back to the water. What inevitably happens, they all fall into the water. And there ends up being some horseplay, and they fall in the water, and they're all kind of giggling and ha-ha-ha and screaming and laughing. It sounds like they're having fun, doesn't
0: it? Well, uh, and I couldn't tell if um, they were pushing each other into the water because there's about eight minutes of them unedited, fake laughing and and dancing around, and then some of them jumping purposely into the water. Yep. And, and like, Lisa actually jumps into the water. You see her jump in. And it just, uh, again, the editing, they yeah. were like, we need eight minutes of you laughing really hard, everybody. So I want you child actors to fake laugh for me for eight minutes. And- but
1: then, in the next scene... Yes. We're at the lobby of the Contemporary, where Mr. Brown uh, meets Joanne Worley. We're going to talk about her in a second. But the sort of punchline of this scene before we go to the commercial is that she is a reporter for a magazine reporting on the kids. And her question to him is like, okay, so I'm looking for a big scoop. Yeah. And she says, the kids, that they all get along? And he's like, of course they get along. They're just like siblings. They love each other. And all the kids come running in, soaking wet, making the most God-awful cacophony of screaming, pretending to be mad at each other, allegedly because they're mad that
0: they all pushed each other into the water? Mm -hmm. Yep, we actually sent our musketeers into a natural lake in Florida.
1: <laughs> Number one. And
0: they went underwater. <laughs>
1: i like that. Known. Their heads <laughs> did
0: go underwater.
1: Their ears that's are a, full of parasites,
0: yes. That's the thing we in Florida know. If you go underwater, you need a tetanus shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and Joanne immediately pulls out her camera. She refers to this. This could be the story of the
1: year. Yeah. For Everglades <laughs> Magazine. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let the record show, Your Honor, the Everglades are in South Florida. They are quite a bit not near us, not mm-hmm. even close. And from anyway. where
0: we are, that's about a five-hour drive.
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah. So, Miami is four hours away, and uh, yeah,
0: even farther down than Miami. Yeah, um, it's real like, quick. No. Um, back to where they were out there before they jump in the water. Another um they're getting all signed. They're getting all lined up for the, for a photo. Lisa wants to take a group photo of them on the dock and they all line up again, completely unchoreographed and Mm -hmm. has blocking. Mm -hmm. Foster Um, block. But the mo uh, and the moment she's going to take the picture, we hear paging Mr. Brown paging Mr. Brown. We don't page at Walt Disney world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also where is this paging system? Like, That goes all over the property when the entire
1: resort and the pool. Yes.
0: So, and second of all, he leaves like he's just been called to war. Like, (laughs) like they can't be like, oh, can you wait a second? Let me snap this photo. Yeah, aging Mr. Brown, gotta go. Yeah, it's like we were just gonna take a picture. Can't, like you got to, you got to like this second.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And you know, his leaving them, that's perfectly on brand because the kids spend an alarming amount of this special unsupervised.
0: Yes. And yes, they do. Uh,
1: yes. but we have, uh, let's talk about Joanne Worley. The one character, the wonderful best known for being the original laugh in cast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, Uh, Disney aficionados will know that she was the voice of Madame de la Grande Bouche, the armoire in the original 1991 animated Beauty and the Beast. And she,
0: Uh, a 30 year old movie, Beauty and the Beast. That's fucking crazy.
1: (laughs) All I remember is she had the lines of when she's trying to help Belle pick a dress and she has that, oh, well, here we are. She kind of does that sing-songy thing. And I went, God, that almost sounds like Joanne Worley. That would be weird. And then in the big f- furniture fighting back scene, when they take back the damn castle, and she jumps off of the balcony, and they <laughs> let her do her signature. Oh, I, I lost my shit. I was so happy. Anyway. She's great. They do make a bit out of him when later on, uh, spoiler alert, she's going to try to get a little bit lovey-dovey with Mr. Brown, with the the male character there. And one of the things is going to be the whole, you know, well, Ms. Osborne, and she's like, oh, call me Colleen. And they make a running bit out of him referring to her and pronouncing her name Colleen. Yeah. And her correcting it to Colleen. I will go on record saying at this point in the beginning scene, when we're introduced to her, she introduces herself as Colleen Osborne. Yeah. Which I think is a Canadian thing, isn't it? Isn't that how Canadians. I don't
0: know, but I just didn't see why that was the running joke they went with. Uh, Yeah. That was the best you could come up with. Really? Uh, When it's plenty, if that's what you're going to do, but it's plenty just to have the running joke be he's, not interested and uncomfortable when she puts the moves on him. Mm -hmm. That's all the joke you need.
1: She's afraid she's going to fuck up his comb over. It's like that thing. Talk about uh, Walt Disney was uh, an amazing imagineer of innovation. That comb over of his, how fluffed up and positioned and shellacked it was that. I think that space mountains engineering rivals only that of his comb over. Uh, but it was so seventies, my god. So the the going to commercial thing is that she is there, this member of the press, and she witnesses the kids not getting along
0: because of this contrived falling into the water thing, and rips out her camera, takes it out like like she's witnessing the royal family having a fight in the middle of the contemporary yeah. resort. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> then we go to commercial break. Yes. And the commercials, there are three commercials. One for a Tonka <laughs> custom van, toy van. Yeah, it doesn't come with
0: anything. It's just a toy van.
1: Yeah, you can put an action figure behind the driver's seat, but it doesn't say who, it's just, uh, yeah, we're yeah. not providing it. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of those brown 1970s mm. with the uh, detailing. It's got a sunroof. Uh, it has a sunset painting on the side. All I can say is at least the door on the side has a window. The rest of it does not. It was very hip and chic in 1977. I believe by 2020 standards, Matthew,
0: what would you call that? A child molester's van. Um, I knew I'm that's s- what you were going to
1: say because I was,
0: <laughs> when they that's what was I was thinking. The commercial, I was like, I hope they have shag carpeting up the walls on the inside <laughs> of that van. Oh, (laughs) look, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo can fit in the back.
1: (laughs) Oh, gross. Yikes. And the second commercial is a meow mix commercial where a cat turns on a radio and then picks up the phone, dials the phone to meow into it which was a request made to the... Remember when we could call radio stations and make requests?
0: Remember when it was the only way to hear your
1: favorite song? <laughs> it's true. If you didn't want to buy the record, if you were a cheap bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, the Canon G3 camera.
0: Also though, the with the cat one, it was just... It was so perfectly 1977. Even the cat looked derpy. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Like the cat was a little cross-eyed. Yes. Like, yes. At the end, and I did love hearing meow 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 meow. Mm-hmm. I just I love a good jingle.
1: It's a classic. <laughs> and then we had the Canon G three camera, um, trying to tout that the lens was really fantastic, amazing, and the slogan: "A great picture starts with a great lens."
0: Yeah, and I feel like it was very, and I did that. Is has it gone out of style, that type of commercial where the camera is the fourth wall and like has to tell the person like Oh yeah you using are you using a Kodak camera? And they look at the camera like, Yes. It's like that Gilda Radner bit where it's like, why don't you take that soup and shove it up your nose? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. That was a very common commercial trope. And this was in fact a man trying to take a picture of members of a marching band
0: and all they did was... Uh, they didn't rehearse a lot, I guess, in the 70s. It was kind of like, let's turn on the camera, what we catch, yeah. we catch. Like, it, was, it was the rise of naturalism. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep, that's true. So when we come back from commercial, we are back at the Contemporary... Mr. Brown is on the phone with his angry manager and he has a ice pack on his head because he's got a headache because, oh my God, it's been so stressful with the kids walking through the lobby all wet and Joanne Worley seeing them.
0: Everglades Magazine saw the kids hating each other. (laughs) But my question, again, and maybe I'm looking too far into it, he is in charge of the Disney Mouseketeers. So the person in charge of him it seems to me it would be a Disney executive.
1: I uh, yeah, unless There's, he's the part of a tour group.
0: He's some, you know, but f-
1: fun time but, tours or
0: uh, he's talking about he's talking about getting them to the to the stage and getting them to the Magic Kingdom and everything. Yeah. And and he's coming across. You hear it's like Charlie Brown's teacher on the phone. Yes, you hear like. Bah, 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 bah. And I'm like, Disney is allowing them to film what would be a Disney executive being this much of a monster? <laughs> and
1: then we like, meet him later. We meet yeah. this guy later, and he's an asshole. Spoiler alert, he's
0: dressed like Boss Hog.
1: Drew. <laughs> they <laughs> probably tried to get him, but
0: <laughs> as uh, Sorel Di- book. As all um, Disney executives do, dress like Boss Hog. I don't <laughs> know if you know that. <laughs> but it's just, again, something that would never happen now they would never have a disney executive come across as a monster yeah um well then while he's sitting in there i don't know if you noticed my favorite thing in the whole show happened What? no I after didn't. he hangs after he hangs up the phone with his boss after yelling at him to get those kids in line um <laughs> hello Teenage girl in nothing but a towel. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no.
1: I was going to say, I thought something else happened. I was totally going to go there too.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. She's not a teenage
1: girl. She's the, there are two like the young, the kid, kid, kids of this group who are clearly the babies. We have the girl named um, Nita, N-I-T-A. She's the one who will later have a super major crisis on her hand. And the other baby of the group is this little girl. Her name is Mindy. And yeah, she comes into the room. (laughs) I put in my notes, please have a bathing suit on underneath
0: that. I wrote down, hello, teen girl, and nothing but a towel.
1: Yeah, (laughs) because she literally walks in wrapped in a towel, but she's not a teen. She's like, she's
0: got to be 11, wouldn't you say? 10 or 11, yeah. Which is
1: technically teen, but she's... I I got... that's barely a tween. That's a she's a fucking child. Yeah, it was cringe worthy. And you're like, why is she there? Why is she just in a towel and eating an apple? That's yeah. weird.
0: But the better she, than her eating a banana or something. <laughs> she didn't walk in with a popsicle for Christ's sake. <laughs> Thank god.
1: You gave me the rona. I'm coughing now. Uh. but it's just simply what what happens is it's the two of them saying wow all the kids are fighting doesn't this suck well and he sort of says to her it's up to us to try and get everybody back together again because you're the youngest of the group and i need to put a lot of emotional burden and responsibility onto you Mm -hmm. don't know why so next scene is the two of them uh, out at breakfast in the park. I wasn't sure on the location. Is this outside the Crystal Palace?
0: No, they're at the Plaza Restaurant on the other side of Main Street. Is that re- Okay. I wasn't sure. Because was Crystal Palace always the Crystal Palace? Mm-hmm.
1: It was. Okay. To me, it looked like one of those eating areas
0: at the end of Main Street facing the... That's just on the wrong side. Okay. Yeah, the plaza restaurants on the other side, and what is now just general seating, um, used to be part of their dining reservations. You could eat out on the on the Mm -hmm. on the landing by Uh the and watch that boat ride go through the (laughs) the castle moat. Oh yes, was only the swan boats that was only there for about five minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well. Uh, He was planning to give the kids what for and demand that they start getting along and forgive each other for the horrible transgression of maybe or maybe not accidentally, cheerfully laughing, falling, slash jumping into the water. Uh, And they're not there. They don't show up. No, he's talking
0: to an empty table. And you'll also notice again during this scene, something that wouldn't happen now, the editing they left in the background music from main street usa oh and it doesn't match up with the editing so like you'll hear like in one camera shot you'll hear chim chim cherry in the background and then in the next shot right like you you'll hear a completely different song and it's it's jarring to hear but again that would not happen because if they're filming now the background music is gone. We're <laughs> mm-hmm. in a controlled environment. Yep. Very true. And there are guests sitting around them each. <laughs> I
1: know, who probably did not sign a fucking release. Yeah. I will bet you. Um, but thank God Joanne Worley is there showing up. And she decides that she wants to tag along. And so uh, to appease her, Mr. Brown says, you can have an exclusive interview with some of the girls.
0: Yeah, she's okay. going to blackmail him. She's gonna, to get the interview. She said, "Give me an interview, or I'm releasing the photos, like oh, that she had taken. I That's how that. she gets the interview. So she <laughs> wants to interview the to, girls. You have to blackmail the manager of the <laughs> Musketeers. Uh,
1: get an interview, man. So then we pan from the riverboat." which is now currently what we call Disney Springs.
0: The Lily Bell. Is that what it's called? The Lily Bell? That's what's named after Walt's wife.
1: Ah, okay. Well, it currently houses paddlefish,
0: correct? Um, I'm not sure. I I looked it up on the map and (laughs)
1: that's what's currently there. Uh, But then we panned from that across the water to what was called the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village. And at some point in 1977, it was changed to the Walt Disney World Village. Since then, it's been called many things, Disney Village Marketplace. Uh, It was just considered uh, part of downtown Disney. And currently, it's called The Marketplace at Disney Springs. Yes. But they are shopping at a store. And oh, Matthew, this is the scene of all scenes. Yeah. This is the one. We have uh, Joanne Worley shopping for clothes with Lisa Welchel, Nita, little Latina girl, and Allison, who is a brown haired girl, similar to Lisa's age, who has got some amazing wings in her hair. I got to give her credit for those wings. Uh, So we set up a thing where Lisa and Allison are mad at each other. And eventually you're like, oh, it's because of that water photograph? Is, are we st- is that still a thing, really? But anyway, uh, Joanne really goes in to try on some clothes. Nita just goes off to be on her own. So we are left with just Lisa and Allison. I'm assuming they're the same age. So let's say they're both 13-year-old girls. And as they are looking at dresses on one of the racks, what happens? Oh, my God. I'm uncomfortable talking about it. It's wow. People get out your hand sanitizer. You're going to need it.
0: They see a gentleman. I don't know how else to say it. Mm -hmm. An adult. An adult. A full on adult. And they see him sitting there and um, Lisa calls him a fox Mm-hmm. The other girl says he's a stone cold fox. <laughs> I believe double fox is what oh, is it that said. what it says? Yeah, oh. she doesn't <laughs> say stone cold.
1: Yeah. So but we're not getting that penile yet.
0: They end up walking over to this man and saying, Hi, do you think I would look good in this dress? Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: He he's like He's an adult. He's like 35 years old.
0: So I hear what you're saying, but we also have to remember that in 1977, (laughs) he could have been 19. I mean. We don't know. Was he he 19 or was he 35? Yeah. Be that (laughs) as it may. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's like they couldn't have found a 16-year-old boy, an attractive Teenaged boy who visually, obviously, would be someone you might imagine could be with one of these girls. Yeah. What the shit! It is so uncomfortable. And and here's the thing: this is the tool by which uh, fences are built and uh, bridges are mended, or strike that and reverse it, because the guy asks you know, she's like, do you like this dress or this one? And he says, who, for her or for you? And to sort of cover their ass, they're like, uh, well, y- you know, for both of us, because we share each other's clothes. Yeah, because we're friends. Yeah, we are friends. So pretending that they're friends to
0: try and fuck their dad is... um. Uh, I don't know if they were pretending that they were friends. They were like realizing, Oh, we are friends. Like that was their moment of getting along again.
1: Yeah. Tomato, tomato, be that as it may, this man is supposed to be the, the tool by yeah. which this, this rift is now being, uh, being corrected. And it's just like, okay, where was Leaf Garrett? Where was Donny Osmond?
0: Where, where would, was Sean Cassidy? Where was one of the boys from the Musketeers? What? <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I and I wrote down. Um, never mind the fact that they get they're doing all of this in front of a reporter. Yeah. Well, so, no.
1: Joanne is. Well, Joanne does come in and eventually join them. Right.
0: But my but not, thing is like. Your story, Joanne, is not whether or not they get along. Your story is that the Mouseketeers are whores. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are 13-year-old whores.
0: What is wrong with the person that wrote this? And, and cast this.
1: Again, the director. And the ca- it's like, okay, I know in the script it says a 35-year-old guy. He's dressed in a tennis outfit. He's got the white polo shirt and the white short shorts and they have some like red and blue embellishment that matches so it's like a tennis playing uniform so he looks athletic he's good looking guy he's a good looking guy yes but the thing is why they weren't like they're 13 why would you not have them lusting after a teenaged boy
0: so here's (sighs) my question and this is from an inside question here's go right ahead mr x here's my question we know that when things come to film at walt disney world a lot of times our actor friends will be cast in small roles like that so it made me wonder was this guy Uh, was he the star of the Hoop Dee doo review yeah something you're right
1: one thing i can tell you matthew Later, after the commercial, when our little friend Nita disappears and they are at the Contemporary with the security guard, Mm -hmm. I think that was a real Walt Disney World security guard.
0: I wrote down his line.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because the performance he gave (laughs) was on the level of as great a performance as you could expect from a Walt Disney World security guard.
0: And he could not have represented Walt Disney World Security better.
1: <laughs> but we'll get to him. We're getting so far ahead of oh, ourselves. No. Sorry. Yeah, we're 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 in the first five minutes of the show still. Yep. Um, so I tried to find this guy, by the way, as we're talking about who is this guy, he does look a little familiar. I can't his name isn't even in the credits. He's he's uncredited.
0: Well as, that's what I that's why I wondered. Uh, because I tried to look him up and I tried to see who he was,
1: but... But then while he's talking to the girls, uh, you hear, Yoo-hoo! Or, hey, Willoughby! Or whatever the fuck his name Mm. is. Uh, And this sort of pretty Farrah Fawcett tennis partner... uh, (laughs) Age-appropriate. Age-appropriate, yeah. 40-year-old woman uh, is over and he goes over. He says, oh, uh, nice talking to you girls. And he's pleasant and just walks away and abandons them and walks over to the woman and awkwardly grabs the back of her head to plant a kiss on her lips before they arm in arm walk away. She has a tennis racket. So clearly they're going to the tennis courts at the Disney village market. Is that a theme?
0: Mm-hmm. No. Was Not that even. ever a
1: thing? I just somehow I knew that. Why did I already <laughs> know that?
0: Huh. The, I, the only thing I could think of, because I was thinking too hard about it, was <laughs> that um, on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, right by there, is was the um, at the time the Lake Buena Vista Athletic Club. Oh, true. <laughs> that's okay. still there. That it okay. was it was originally the um, the Walt Disney World Information Center. Wow. Yeah. Huh.
1: Well, anyway, it's
0: within walking distance of the Lake Buena. <laughs> Disney village so I thought that was the only thing I could think of.
1: Yeah. Oh oh and the thing we have to point out is when the girls walk over to the guy this sexy saxophone music starts playing. It's like fucking music. Yeah. (laughs) While they're they're trying to you know again it's
0: like what were you playing? What was your end game? Gee. The two of us would really like to see what your hotel room is like. You want to watch us try this dress on? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, oh my god so yeah so we have this this sexy music but then later we get the friendship music yep. after he's gone and they have their realization moment that they're still friends nita comes back from nowhere joanne comes back from trying on her dress and uh from there we go on to the next scene There you have it. That was part one of The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World. We're going to leave it there in that wonderful, cringy place. The sexualization of teenagers in the 1970s. As American as baseball and apple pie. I will note at this point in the discussion, we are 19 minutes in. To the 60-minute special. <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, I'm really happy. This was the first episode where we really got the Zoom sound quality issue under control. And I started having us both use professional microphones. And I'm, I'm so happy to not be apologizing to you for the terrible sound quality. In fact, uh, you are welcome for the excellent sound quality so prepare yourselves next week we're going to wrap up this discussion with part two of this show if you haven't watched it and you now realize you absolutely have to watch it of course you can see it on disney plus i will put the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. that is all for this week thank you so much for tuning in and remember the facts of life are all about
0: you Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.